0: How many suspects should there be in a mystery, in a whodunit story like this?
1: I'm not sure, because in the Orient Express, there's 13 people on the train, and all of them are suspects. So I think the main thing is to stay focused. It doesn't matter how many people run around this person's life or how many people are in the room. Stay focused to the story so that you, yourself, as a writer, don't get lost with other characters fighting each other Mm. Um, i know it's very easy to put out thousands of different characters but it is difficult for a writer themselves to keep track of them in your head how many do you want to juggle how many do you need to make this story fully fleshed out because you don't need 13 you
0: you can have five Welcome to Speculative Sandbox, your audio playground for creative storytellers. My name is Vicki Lawn, and each episode, I and a guest will unpack a fiction trope with an eye for character development and narrative structures. Make sure to look for Speculative Sandbox on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, where you can join the conversation. Leave comments or questions, or let us know what other tropes we should cover. When the real world just doesn't cut it, let's get lost in a fictional one. Gabrielle Chamiller thank you so much for joining me on speculative sandbox today how are you doing today I'm good thanks how are you I'm doing pretty good it's been a fun Friday actually yourself yeah I actually took the day off uh, from my day job
1: so I'm like oh I'm gonna do some cleaning maybe some gardening it's really hot out today and then do this with you and then I don't know maybe go to Costco
0: (laughs) good for you that's a great Friday Right. I squeeze this between. I'm, this is my lunch break. <laughs> so lunchtime happens. I move everything over and I grab my other stuff and I'm like, okay, let's get to work. That's crazy. Uh, all right, so let's get you started with uh, some icebreakers before we get to the topic, which yeah. is Who Done It, which is yeah. very mysterious. I'm very excited. So first and foremost, I'm going to ask you which is worse, a sweater in the summer or a bathing suit in the winter? I'm Canadian. So
1: bathing suit in the winter
0: (laughs) okay how cold does it get there
1: um where I am it gets to about minus 40 on a bad day
0: oh do you like if you like fall asleep outside is that it are you done
1: I'm I'm, I don't know I've never actually had to do that
0: (laughs) (laughs) but but probably I mean like you
1: can get hypothermia if you're not dressed correctly and if you're out for a long period of time um I made the mistake last year where I went to a show with my cousin and I wanted to be cute so I wore a dress with my winter coat Mm -hmm. and um I didn't drive my my husband dropped me off and then I met my cousin for dinner and then he's like okay um I didn't take a car either so we're gonna have to walk to the theater I'm like you know it's minus 30 degrees celsius right (laughs) so you walked like four blocks I'm like my legs are too cold (laughs) I don't feel them
0: (laughs) okay well then what is the what is the hottest that it gets up there
1: 35 degree
0: 35 degrees Celsius? what what is know? that in Fahrenheit hold, on. hold <laughs> on let me like I don't know <laughs> do some Fahrenheit... math sorry, that's my... American like I'm sorry <laughs>
1: Fahrenheit um... to
0: Celsius hold on I is that oh no okay, so that's... you said 35 degrees Celsius yeah is 95 degrees 95 yeah Fahrenheit okay that's pretty good
1: yeah that's actually it's a
0: huge range yeah yeah. Okay. It's crazy. My, my range is not nearly as broad. My range is a high, we can go up to 115 degrees Fahrenheit yeah. and our low could be about 30 degrees Fahrenheit, depending on, you know, what day it, it snows maybe twice or once a year, every few years. <laughs> we yeah. look at that, Oh my gosh. I'm jealous of snow, but then I know that if you're with, you live in snow, it's like people want to get away from snow, but you're, you're living up there. How do you enjoy the snow?
1: Um, I do i actually do enjoy it um i i don't think i could live in a place that has one type of weather yeah. you know what i mean like one kind of like just always hot or mm-hmm. like always rain. like i just couldn't do it i really enjoy having snow and then i like watching it turn into spring and then summer and then fall like i love i like it Um, But it is daunting because when it does get too, too cold, my garage door actually will freeze shut and then I can't get out. Um, (laughs) And um, I I think it was last year, I had to go into the garage and my husband like pressing the garage door button and I'm pushing, (laughs) pushing the garage door up, trying to get it so we can actually leave the house with our vehicles.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so So, funny. Well, yeah, I guess there's a lot of health risks either, which way you swing it. Uh, Here, we have to be really careful with leaving animals and well yeah. you should not leave animals and children in cars Mm-mm. but sometimes people do and it it takes 10 minutes on a summer day to really do a lot of damage um and and a lot of people will come down we have a lot of canadians actually that come down um and yeah. visit i think they like the extreme difference <laughs> they,
1: like it, they do yeah they totally we call them snowbirds
0: yes they are <laughs> um i will tell you right now the snowbirds are gone and the roads are clear it's really nice I, yeah they're back here because our summers oh. are actually quite nice <laughs> oh okay all right <laughs> but we have to remind them don't walk their dogs without shoes oh I know, um, like, the pavement. it's hot yes it's so hot Anyway, um that's so interesting to learn. Okay, my next question for you is which which is your favorite social media platform and why? Um
1: I use Instagram a lot. I don't know if it's my favorite. I do have not so favorites. Okay. <laughs> but um Instagram I get a lot of engagement there. Um I like sharing photos and and reels at the same time. I like doing um stories and things like that. Whereas, for example, TikTok, I can't really share just pictures. Yeah. Um, and then I find that TikTok is very um, attention deficit. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It's very like two seconds, two seconds, two seconds. Uh-huh. And if I'm not entertaining within the first two seconds, it's like, we're done. <laughs> I can't yeah. I can't do anything. So I just don't find TikTok helpful for me.
0: Mm-hmm. How so, about Twitter? How's Twitter helping you? I don't do
1: Twitter. I used to a long, long time ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't want to give you a, a year.
0: right. <laughs> okay
1: but it, but i feel like that's also become too opinionated and i'm like i don't feel like i get a lot of engagement on on twitter either
0: yeah it seems like all the platforms have definitely been more challenging lately i could tell mm-hmm. that they have all kind of taken the same philosophy of let's throttle your reach all the way down and mm-hmm. then make you fight to to get a higher reach you could have thousands of followers but only like a couple of eyes on your content and it's not really a reflection on the quality of your work it's just this vicious it's a casino when you step into social media now
1: yeah and it's just like I don't really have the time or the energy to figure out how Twitter would work for me or how TikTok would work for me Um, Instagram has been pretty easy to understand and if I put out stuff people like it or you know, it, it kind of just moves on and I just move on, but I don't know why I just can't get on that TikTok train. <laughs> yeah,
0: I get that. It's very high maintenance. Yeah. All right. Let's segue a little bit into today's topic. So what is your favorite mystery story? Um,
1: My favorite mystery story.
0: Mm-hmm. Books is... or movies?
1: Books or movies. I loved Knives Out. Oh, yes. It, it was like, the I don't know it was just so good the way it was written the way that it was was shown the movie the plot the pacing everything was perfect about Knives Out and I loved it um, what did you think of the sequel it was still pretty good I still think the first one was better okay but the sequel was really good the glass onion mm-hmm. was uh, just as funny and just as clever
0: okay gotcha I really like Ana de Armas and Chris Evans in in the first <sighs> one Knives Out I feel like they have a really good Balance, I guess you could both. I love looking at both of them.
1: I know, I know. I'm like, oh, i will Captain America, and then I'm like, I was, I just want to be Anna Diarmas.
0: <laughs> I grew up to
1: be Anna Diarmas? <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. So, from watching mysteries or reading mysteries, do you find that you can successfully guess who done it before they do the big reveal?
1: Oh no, I'm terrible. I am the worst person to get something. It's It's this person, but it's not them. And then it's this person, but it's not them. And I can't even play Clue. (laughs) i'm so so bad at deduction it's awful and maybe that's why i love mystery and who's done it so much because it's just like i I actually have no idea and all of this is new and it's always fun
0: (laughs) yes well i i enjoy my husband and i love turning it into a game so like the whole time we're watching a movie we're just like it's them it's them and of course like there's so many intentional red herrings that make you swing one way or the other so then it's a game of who's the red herring you know and i'm always trying to find the most unsuspecting route um, although I will say the glass onion, I couldn't predict that because the whole, you know, the second half, they reveal the truth behind the investigation, mm-hmm. which is that one of the main characters is there on behalf of her sister impersonating her. And of course, you don't have that information in the first half. So like it's, it's, there's, it's getting really creative as far as how mysteries hide things until they reveal later. So you really are in the dark.
1: Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed that that part of the the movie um when I don't know can I allowed a spoiler here I don't know
0: (laughs) yeah just say say it's a spoiler and people can pass
1: okay (laughs) spoilers um yeah and then when she got shot and she died Mm -hmm. right or like pretended to die Mm and I'm like why why is why is um why is he crying and I'm like why is he crying I don't understand I'm like just I was just sucked in so much, I totally forgot it was a different kind of murder mystery. <laughs> <laughs> just like with the emotional, the emotional drive that Glass Onion has was just totally different from um, Knives Out.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, so let's talk about Who Done It. What got you interested in this topic when we were going back and forth on what we should be talking about today?
1: Oh, um, I I've always loved. Who done it? Um, not mysteries per se, but who done it. it's like Sherlock Holmes is like my favorite, favorite story. I will read all the Sherlock Holmes. I've watched all the Sherlock Holmes. Benedict Cumberbatch is my favorite mm. Sherlock
0: Holmes. Yeah, mine too. <laughs>
1: right. Like I, I just I love it. And then even recently, because of oh no, because of the movies, um, The Orient Express mm-hmm. and Death on the Nile, and then the new one that's coming out. Um, the haunting in Venice in September I'm like I just I just love that they've kind of come back because after all of the Marvel and all the superhero stuff it's kind of it was just refreshing mm-hmm. to, to see something that's a hero there's still heroes in their own in their own way heroes and villains in their own way um, but it's just kind of refreshing that it's who did it this time and why, why did they do it rather than they're just bad and they're just going to destroy the world or whatever it is.
0: So I did some research because I was trying to think, all right, as a writer who wants to now write one of these stories, Mm -hmm. how do you like even watching these stories, my brain's all over the place, right? Like so much to keep track of, let alone you're the writer now. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, so what is a good framework for shaping a story like this? So I did some research and I came up with this and let's talk about it. So first is the setup where you have, you learn about the sense of time and place, you yeah. learn the characters and you find out that the sleuth, you find out their capabilities basically. Yeah. And then there always has to be a murder event and the sleuth has to accept the murder case. What are your thoughts on on the setup?
1: I think that's a pretty standard setup. Um I mean, even if I watched Glass Onion and the Orient Express at this, like, back-to-back because of it, <laughs> and then mm-hmm. watched it, and it's the same. It's the detective doesn't really want to do it, ends up doing it, and now we have to find out with them how that was finished and how, how that murder and that crime was committed. And that's, I think that's pretty standard for a whodunit.
0: Um, it's so interesting because- I sometimes, as writers, you want to take some time building your your situation, like mm-hmm. you're building the world and all that stuff. But I think having that murder event happen pretty soon, I'm guessing as the inciting incident, or even before that, mm-hmm. is important. It's almost like I I did a um, I worked with a media company and we were trying to write a romance, uh, adventure, and they it was really important that they the couple the two that are going to fall in love meet right in the opening. Yeah. Yeah. And so like it's like these are essential plot devices I think that help prepare people for the rest of the movie. I'm sure there's plenty of uh, circumstances where there's exceptions, but it does seem to be like all right, here's a setup for the mystery, for the who done it. The murder's got to happen and everything goes from there. Yeah,
1: for sure. And I think that's really important because it's I don't think it's a who done it without the murder. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if you're going to read a murder mystery or like a murder mystery, it's I think it's it's a little bit different than a whodunit. I don't know why I in my brain that's separate because it's commit. I think murder mysteries is committing the murder, rather and the whodunit is more like who who actually did it and why.
0: It's all I, about picking yeah. apart the characters. It's a yeah. game. Gotcha. Yeah, and I
1: like that portion more.
0: Okay, gotcha. All right. Then following the setup, we have the discovery, which is where we basically follow along with the sleuth as they're Mm -hmm. trying to investigate their their suspects. So we learn about the victim's world. We look at the evidence. We have interviews with the suspects. And during this time, there's introductions of subplots. And the sleuth starts to develop theories based on motives and actions. So what are your thoughts on the discovery portion?
1: Um, I think that they're fun. Like I love, I love meeting different characters and and kind of dissecting them as a, as a person, right? Like the, like there's, there's the friend, there's the husband, there's the sister, right? And everyone will or will not enjoy a person wholly, right? Yes. I love, you know, your, your best friend, but there are Ticks and twerk quirks that probably you know make you upset um mm-hmm. as just like that is just that's just a human thing not that you know you're gonna commit a murder because of it but um in these stories right there are lines there are it's not motives but it is a motive I can't, okay, yeah. I can't think of the but it's just like that threshold of how much can I Take from this person, mm-hmm. like I mean, um, in I just recently watched Death on the Nile, and it's Gal Gadot. She's mm-hmm. the the one who gets murdered. Spoiler, sorry, but she was the one who gets murdered, and she's asking Detective Poirot for assistance because she doesn't feel safe with any of her loved ones at her own wedding, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and then detective will go through all of the people and it's the lawyer, it's the cousin, it's her ex-boyfriend, it's her aunt, it's her aunt's, um, nurse. And you're there, he's going through all these people and they're all of them have something taken from them. Like it's money, it's, um, a house. It's the, he was in love with her. Now she's getting married to somebody else, right? There is a threshold of how much someone can take before it breaks and they commit a murder
0: Mm. yeah just like in glass onion where everyone had a reason to hate um edward norton's character yes
1: right like there has to be a reason for someone to want to do that so bad and then actually you know commit the crime Um, most people probably won't they'll just hold on to that anger and you know there are like edward norton like there are pros and cons to why we can't Hate him like if I was his mm-hmm. friend there are reasons why I sh- I hate him but I need him right there yeah. there, there was that um balance that he had mm-hmm. and by the end of it you, you you find out right like nobody really wanted to keep that balance anymore
0: so then we have a midpoint and this is funny because I always think the midpoint is like towards the end it's when the sleuth comes up short of solving oh wait no no yeah, yeah, where they come short of solving the mystery or they make a guess and it's wrong. So they feel misled. They feel like a failure. They need a new perspective. I'm forgetting which one did this. It might have been Knives Out. Was it in that one where they kind of made a guess and then the movie just keeps going and you realize so. the guess was wrong? I, I can't really remember, but I, I, I've seen a lot of whodunits, like Sleuth, where they think they've got it. Mm-hmm. And it feels like the story should be over. It feels like a tightly packed you know, it could even be a three act structure, um, but no, it's all wrong. And now we have a whole nother act that we're going to be to looking at. So then from there, everything is now funneled because there's a new perspective. The The sleuth did not get it. The murders keep happening or, you know, stuff keeps yeah. happening. And now he has to reexamine the whole circumstance and narrow down the focus. What What's your thought on this plot shift?
1: And I think I like that, actually. Because it it's not just because I'm wrong and I'm constantly wrong when it comes to whodunits, but it shows that the the detective is also human, mm-hmm. right? He's he he she they are trying to find the murderer, solve the solve the mystery. But because of how much they can how much knowledge they have of these people, right? They they're coming in at the eleventh hour, the twelfth hour of this story. They're not at the beginning where they know everyone they've met everyone right um they've watched people grow up together that sort of thing they didn't watch these relationships change and shift they're at the 11th hour trying to see what had changed and what shifted and how did it lead here and that could have I mean as a as a person you just assume certain things and of course sometimes you're wrong Mm -hmm. and I think that's really important to to show that yeah the the hero here is was also misled and now he has to work harder to figure out why was he misled?
0: I think Glass Onion is a really, really good example of a very uh, clear refunnel mm-hmm. because of when she got shot. And then we go back in time and the, the viewer learns that it was actually she was impersonating her sister the whole time. And then we get to see the full scenes that were mm-hmm. the initial discovery scenes but we see them from different points of view and then we realize oh that actually happened he wasn't mad that uh, he was sleeping with his girlfriend he was mad because he thought he was going to get something out of it or something and now he that's a different motive um, when that happens I have to question how much is the mystery or the, the whodunit mystery based off of the crime itself or the the plot structure in which information is revealed
1: yeah yeah for sure because I mean, for whodunits, I find like the plot structure is the most important. Like who? I mean, with with the glass onion, right? Everybody wants something. Everyone has a different motive, and then you don't get to see any of that until later. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy watching that rather than finding you know finding out the 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 murder itself. I mean, it's more of the journey <laughs> rather yeah. than the outcome.
0: <laughs> Yeah. It definitely seems like it's about internal biases too. Like yeah. how you first portray actions and relationships to what they act, what they really are behind the scenes. Uh, it's just, it's really cool because I feel like in these stories, you get two sides of every character ultimately.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and just like everyone, just like everybody's, I mean, memories are a little bit unreliable, mm-hmm. right? Just like in the glass onion, um how Dave Bautista took the wrong drink did he take the wrong drink and we all assumed right that oh he just picked it up by himself no it was handed to him and we all watched it happen but because he said he picked it up I even I believed it and I watched it Mm -hmm. I even had to rewind oh wow my eyes tricked me
0: (laughs) right it's it's so interesting have you ever read a uh, whodunit novel where you were well, you might have even done it, went back and tried to reread passages because the narrator was a bit unreliable and you needed to double check? Yes. Did yes. Spoil it ultimately? Is it <laughs> go back or should you just like keep reading?
1: I think what I do is like, I'll, I'll read it. And then I get to the, get to that, like the, the maybe the first deduction point, I'm like, Oh, is it? And then you kind of go back and kind of search for it. Like, Oh yeah, it's this. And this is what he was talking about. And then you're like, but it's wrong. And then you read, you read on, like it, it is wrong, right? So yeah,
0: interesting. Okay. I remember, I remember doing that when I was a kid. Yeah, because it was like middle grade books, so it mm-hmm. was a little, like smaller. It wasn't quite as complex. And so I remember coming across things like that where it was an unreliable narrator, but I kept thinking, oh, they messed up the book, <laughs> like whoops, <the laughs> <laughs> inconsistencies due to the author. But no, it was an intentional plot device.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I love that. I love how they're It's very intentional.
0: And then finally, there's the big reveal, the confrontation, the explanation of the clues that led to the reveal and the conclusion of the story. Mm-hmm. So what makes a good reveal?
1: I, I, I think it's that dialogue. I think it's that five to 10 minute monologue of high tension and everyone wants to know what the answer is, but nobody wants to give up why they're not the murderer. And they're they're afraid of being blamed for something that they did or did not do.
0: Mm. Right. Okay, so then when you look at big reveals in fiction, it's very performative, right? It's a very stagey kind of presentation. Everyone's yeah. sitting around, they're waiting. So, how does that usually play out in the real world? I'm not sure,
1: considering I've never had to. <laughs> You've
0: never murdered anyone? I've never murdered
1: anyone? Yeah, that's never <laughs> happened to me. I hope that never happens to me. <laughs> but I know it's probably not as dramatic.
0: No, it probably be way right. more legalese. You get got yeah. the police and lawyers involved, and they, they're the ones ultimately sleuthing around.
1: Yeah. Detectives. And I mean who who's done it romanticize looking for clues, dissecting characters, dissecting timelines, um, where in fact it's a lot of paperwork, oh. a lot of interviews,
0: mm-hmm. a lot of
1: cross referencing that we just don't get to see in movies or in books as as what they are right it's a little bit romanticized so mm-hmm. I don't think it's as dramatic but I do think the payoff is about the same right you're you're relieved that this has been solved you are technically the hero you, you the person the villain I guess in this story will now be I guess punished for their crime when mm. you know it makes me it wonder is,
0: then in the real world would they have to go through the whole thing again <laughs> you know cuz in the in the romanticized version it's very fast you go through, maybe they're all trapped in a hotel on an yeah. island and they can't leave so perfect the the sleuth you know figures it out but then after the bad guy gets booked and you know into jail it's like all of that has to be revisited again i i would imagine by the lawyers and the detectives and police officers cuz they have to examine the clues and they have to do the interviews so it's like twice that's my guess
1: yeah i would think it's twice because it, it they would have to do it out of court and then back in court oh yes right okay <laughs> like, i know this is not like a whodunit but it's like legally blonde <laughs>
0: okay yeah
1: <laughs> technically that's what it she had to find out who the murderer was and the person was already committed into into prison it was the wrong person mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't be spoilers this movie has been out for a long time <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and I always figure if writers are listening to this, it's good to know these this information, right? Because yeah. you have to know the ending of your story, or at least you have an idea of it as you're working through your story. Yeah, for sure. This may okay, so looking at this framework, we've already discussed some examples of mysteries. Um, but what are some some other ones that you think speak well or, or reference this plot? device well one uh that i pulled from that isn't even really a who done it, but is it's a very prevalent storyline is harry potter and the chamber of secrets where okay. something is petrifying everybody and at first he you know you have a culprit that's stunning students and ghosts and at first harry thinks it's draco and you know he he kind of tries to do his own investigations it's a little clumsy and of course it's all woven through everything else that's going on in that mm-hmm. book and then, of course, at the very end, you think that there's like a solution to it. And he discovers that it was Ginny who was under the influence of a past Voldemort. And there's no there's like that's one of those things, those trick things where like you couldn't have known that in the first half of the book that there was a past Voldemort getting involved with things. I remember reading that when I was like in high school. Yeah, And I was like, what? That came out of nowhere. But it makes me think of uh, other mystery, you know, it's where that, that is what it is, right? It's a reintroduction of new information that yeah. you couldn't have guessed.
1: Yeah. And I think it's just that part of the investigation process, right? You're looking and you're looking and maybe you're so like, I mean, like Harry Potter, he's so focused on Draco because, he, you know, there's just that rivalry that they have. So, mm-hmm. yeah, of course you want to pin him because you, you already in his head, he, he's the bad guy. Yeah. Right. So he's probably he's looking in the wrong places blaming the wrong people right where in fact it's Ginny and Ginny's innocent and just found something and ends up in the wrong place at the wrong time right yes poor
0: thing I know (laughs) poor Ginny (laughs) so Harry was just a really bad sleuth
1: of course I mean he's like what (laughs) 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 twelve? I mean I don't blame him really
0: (laughs) (laughs) any other examples that you have
1: um we're just like the the information. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, like again, back to Legally Blonde because I love that movie so much. <laughs> she's she's in court, right? And she's and she's trying to figure out that she already knows in her heart that the person who was sent to prison is the wrong person, mm-hmm. right? And she has to go through and just to prove herself. She has to prove that this person is is um, innocent, and through the court scene she interviews the daughter and just because she is legally blonde she it clicks in her head that oh she she had a perm at this time at this date at you had a perm on this day and then she says yes and because of the chemicals that are in your perm you can't wash your hair so the shower was on but your hair's still curly so clearly you're the one who killed your father right and that's just information you wouldn't have gotten until that scene mm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right I don't know if you remember
0: <laughs> I watched it a long time ago <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't remember no, but okay. I do remember that it was about deduction based off of uh, Reese Witherspoon's uh, own personal knowledge which yes. is what makes her so valuable in yeah. in a field that she otherwise felt like she would like that others kind of treated her like she couldn't be a part of right but absolutely she's a valued person and should be you know counted and all that stuff as, as a lawyer.
1: Yeah. And I think that even like different experiences will give you different answers, will show you a different um view of things, right? And I that's what I really liked about legally blonde is that she was she was embodied herself, sleuthed out everything that nobody else wanted to look at, because it wasn't proper. Technically wasn't proper, even though it it didn't matter. We have to look at all the clues. We have to look at all the the reasons and 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 make our assumptions based on everything that we can find, even if it's something as little as a hair product.
0: Let's move on to the. Oh, I'm trying to figure out what the right word is. Okay, <laughs> let's. T- okay, moving on from the framework. Let's move on to the mm-hmm. crime. So, when it comes to whodunits, we talked about murder already, but is it always yeah. a murder that is the crime, or can it be something else?
1: I think it can be something else. Um, I think most of them are murders. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like in the, is it the Scarlet, the the Scarlet, the Red Scarlet. The Scarlet or the woman, Letter? The, the Scarlet Letter. No, is it Scarlet Letter or is it the Woman in Scarlet for Sherlock oh, oh, Holmes, the, the first one? Oh, the, one, the woman, the, let's look it up. I know what oh. you're talking about. I know in in Benedict Cumberbatch's it's called The Woman in Pink but it's but the actual story is like The Woman in Scarlet or The Scarlet Woman or something like that
0: it is a study in scarlet yes. women yes
1: yes and um in that see in that in that novella or that that story she is murdered but there are other things in that story, like how her ring wasn't wasn't shined and how it doesn't look like it's used. So she and she packs her bag all the time um, and and uh, Sherlock finds out, oh, she's been cheating on her husband and her husband found out and whatever. Like, I think there are other things that could happen in a murder mystery to give it layers, um, mm-hmm. and then it kind of ends up as the the murder happens, and it's more of a revenge or a payback or or whatever the, the the motive is. But I think that there's little layers of little things like little crimes, uh, and um, that could happen. Um, in the Nile, the Death on the Nile um, book is detective Poirot's best friend and the murder happens and all this thing is happening. And there is also on top of that, some stolen stuff. There's a stolen scalpel. There's a stolen red paint. There's stolen guns. There's stolen jewelry, right? I think every, there's little pieces of crimes that add up to the big one.
0: Gotcha. Well, then that makes me think of uh, the idea that I brought, which was Pretty little liars, mm-hmm. where the the person who's the person's committing a lot of crimes. It's not just I th- I believe there's a couple dead bodies that yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah happen throughout the show, but there's manipulation, there's mm-hmm. control through anonym- anonymity. Someone stealing things, someone stalking. Yeah. Um, and it's all the mystery of who done it is who is this person who is a. Essentially, mm-hmm. that's texting them. And it's. I think at different points in the story, at least in the books, they a different girl or a different person is like the main suspect. And yeah. in the book series, it's like that main suspect is ultimately cleared in that one book. And then mm-hmm. you go on to the next book and it's the next. And actually, the author who did Pretty Little Liars also did um, The Lying Game. Okay. So Sarah Shepard wrote The Lying. She wrote Pretty Little Liars and Little, The Lying Game. And I was I really liked The Lying Game because the whole thing took place in Tucson, which is where I live. And I got a chance to like fact check her. Nice. <laughs> like not, not, not formally, but informally in my brain. Um, but what was great about that is that every single book just kind of worked its way through a different suspect and cleared them. And then the ultimately, the person that you find out is the actual killer or whatever in the last book ends up being one of the suspects that she had already cleared. which is is like so once again it's a shift it's a redirect the person was wrong and then you find out everything through a brand new perspective so um i i love that series i have to now i need to go back and reread it
1: it (laughs) it's awesome but yeah Um,
0: oh sorry go ahead no no
1: that's okay i just mean like even in knives out um after the crime or the murder happens right we're trying to find out because she's hiding it right she's hiding the murder Mm -hmm. um And then there's a whole bunch of different other things that are coming up. Like, there's this being stolen, this person's getting cheated on, um, there's arson, (laughs) yeah, there's a second murder happening at the same time. Like, it it, that one, that there's just a lot of things happening.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, big to make you, the viewer, kind of maybe confused to purposely like complicate it so it's hard to narrow it down because that's the thrilling part of these
1: stories, yeah, for sure.
0: How many suspects should there be in a mystery, or in a in a mystery novel, um, in a whodunit story like this? Um,
1: I'm not sure because in in the Orient Express, there's 13 people on that sh- on that ship on the on the train, right? And mm-hmm. all of them are suspects. So I think the main thing is to stay focused. It doesn't matter how many people run around this person's life or how many people are in the room. Stay focused to the story so that you yourself as a writer don't get lost with other characters fighting each other. Mm -hmm. Um, I know it's very easy to put out thousands of different characters, but it is difficult for a writer themselves to keep track of them in your head. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's more of a how many do you want to juggle? Right? Um, how many do you need to make this story fully fleshed out? Because you don't need thirteen. You you can have five, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think staying focused to who actually did the murder and why will will keep it keep it um, succinct. So you, you just don't get lost because the ideal number of suspects it could be from. what? two to 13 to 20 and it doesn't matter it's a right there's so many people in our lives in general it it could be as easy as it's then it's been my friend for seven years who who killed me sort of thing and I haven't seen them since this day on at this time and maybe maybe that's been recorded but maybe they showed up and maybe earlier right or later
0: Mm mm-hmm yeah. It makes me think of like, for instance, you could start off with a ton, but mm-hmm. for story-wise sake, it it needs to be narrowed down. Like it could be literally someone commits a crime at a Taylor Swift concert. Yeah, And it's like, okay, everyone in the arena, are they considered a suspect? You know, yeah. it's, and at some point you have to, you do have to narrow it down. Yeah. And um, now that I say that, I'm like, oh, knock on wood. I hope nothing happens at a Taylor Swift concert. Oh my gosh. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> uh, lots of the, uh, the world today. Okay. So what I, the way that I organized it from my notes for this question was you have the actual suspect and then you have red herrings. Yes. That's so like, how do you balance and make sure all of those things play and interweave correctly, like well for the story's sake?
1: Yeah. I think everyone has a motive, whether it's a good one or a bad one. Um, I mean, in, in, in the Orient Express, there are, again, there are 13 different people. And when you interview all of them, they're very different. And so, and it's it's just as, as though they are random people on the train going from A to B. Um, and then you, and then you, the, the, you, the sleuth starts digging and digging and digging and he finds one clue and he finds out somehow everyone is interconnected to each other and they're not actually random people on a train. They planned this out. And the one person you thought was the actual murderer—it's ends and ends, ends, ends up being all three, all thirteen of them, at the same time.
0: Interesting. I haven't actually seen that. So I'm so sorry. No, no, no. You didn't give anything. No, I'm fine. Like I go into movies knowing endings of things, oh. and I'm there for the ride. So don't even worry about it. I'll okay. forget about it by the time I get down. Oh, and... No, yeah. but I didn't know. But that's—I love that. I love that that was how the the story goes, because. Like that, that's actually, it seems like a lot of work <laughs> yeah. for the, the writer to come up with in the first place.
1: Yeah. It's quite, I, that's why I really like the Express because you're like, oh, when I watched it the first time, I'm like, oh, it's going to be this guy. It's not this guy. And they give you reasons why it's not too. Right. So like, I mean, the person it's Johnny Depp, he gets murdered. His assistant is Olaf. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, um, the detective is interviewing me, He's like, well, why would I kill my boss? He's the one who pays me. Mm, unless he's a bad boss and he's a bad boss because he's a he's actually like some mafia type of boss right Mm -hmm. and he's like well why would I do that 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 doesn't make sense he pays me so much money and the detective goes through the books through all the accounting books and he's like you've been shaving off thousands of dollars from your boss and that's probably why you killed him and he's like that's not even true and he there's this whole scene there's like he throws a fit and like, and it, it, you're just like, maybe it was him because he is shaving off money. And then, and then, and then John and Depp found out. So then now he's, now they just want him off, right? Mm-hmm. It's I'm going to be killed or he's going to kill me or I'm going to kill him.
0: Well, that makes for like kind of a fun exercise. So, okay, let's, let's try this exercise for the moment. I'm just coming up with it now. Sure. <laughs> you are a, let's create a character for you. Okay. You are a... You're an animal control officer. Okay. <laughs> and you um, do a lot of, uh, you know, you pick up animals that are that are strays and you help to rehome them. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's your job. And one of your clients who has a repeat dog that keeps getting out of the fence, someone murders him. And you are a suspect because you were there the day that he was murdered and you talked to him like two hours before it happened. Right. Okay. Okay. Now you're being investigated' you're, you're an animal control officer okay. who just returned this guy's dog that keeps getting out he dies two hours later. So what is your motive for killing him and what would be your reason for like not like you're, you're innocent?
1: Uh, my motive for killing him is that he does not take care of this dog and he doesn't take care of the previous dogs that he has owned. And I'm the one who continuously for many years have had to talk to him about these um, these, these incidences because the, the dogs are getting out at the same place, the same time, all the time. And it doesn't matter which kind of dog he has. Mm-hmm. And they always look ragged and they're always starved. It looks like animal abuse, right? And I just can't, I can't handle it anymore. Um, why I wouldn't, kill him obviously um that's bad that's
0: not a good idea (laughs) (laughs) i am just here to do my job and leave
1: (laughs) i'm just here it's like i'm trying to like be the 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 higher person and hey um i've already filed the complaint and things like that um what i wouldn't is maybe i'm in love with his daughter
0: oh right i don't want to kill
1: her dad (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh, that's an interesting connection though. So now you're, you're no longer just the animal control officer that keeps returning the guy's dogs. You actually have a connection with his family member, which maybe they find out later.
1: Yeah, or maybe I don't. Maybe I just have this have a crush on her on his daughter, and I I maybe yeah I'm sick of taking these sad dogs back to the house, but at the
0: same time I get to see her. Ooh, it's an excuse right? to see her. Like keep, right. keep losing your dog. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, right. Like it's also like it's really sad, but at the same time I don't want it to. It's really weird. Like I don't want to stop, but it, it should stop.
0: Okay, so then we have the mo- like the motive for killing and probably why you're under investigation. Then we have the truth, like well the supposed truth. I didn't kill. This guy, um, mm-hmm. I'm just doing my job. I'm innocent. But mm-hmm. what would be the surprising reason why you're involved with his death?
1: The surprising reason?
0: Yeah, we find out you actually did kill him. But it's not because he kept leaving his dog out or like letting his dog escape.
1: Um, Maybe it's just I find out he does not only abuse, you know, the dog. He abuses the family.
0: Ooh. And that's, that's enough. <laughs> you found out through the girl that you have a crush on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting, cool. Well, that was a fun workshop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go through some types of suspects. I'm gonna list some, and then let me know if you can think of any other. If I've I've left any out. So I have the classic villainous personality, the one that probably like 50 years ago would have been the person right. who did it, but now we're used to that. So they're almost like the the obvious red herring. Almost they're they're a joke <laughs> kind of. Thing. Yeah. They're broody. They're dark. They're intimidating. Then there's the help you got the maid, the nanny, the butler, the driver, the assistant, Mm -hmm. all those. You have the best friend, which is meant to be the knife to the heart kind of betrayal. Mm -hmm. You have the bumbling fool, someone who's incapable of pulling off a crime, but it's all an act or the crime was accidental. Um, I think of, uh, it's not Scream, it's Scary Movie. I think it's Scary Movie where the brother was considered special needs, but it was all an act and he yeah I'll I'll always remember that where I was like whoa um then there's a silent character like someone who's just kind of in the peripheral kind of seemingly harmless Someone that's like purposely kind of faded out and then you Mm -hmm. have the schemer I always find that there's someone or a couple who purposely tries to interfere with the investigation due to their own interests they're kind of like a distraction they could also be the ones they have a motive to hide what they did so what do you think of that list and is there anything else that we should add to it
1: I think there would be like two kinds of best friends Okay, the best friend who is like the most loving. I've done everything with this person. Um, I've trusted this this person with everything. And then the other best friend, which is I hate them.
0: they ha- I hate best friend. <laughs> like the competitive best friend. The competitive. Best what do they friend. call it? The it's not a friendship. It it's like when the you frenemy. Uh, <laughs> frenemy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like
1: that, that. That frenemy, or like the ex lover.
0: Hmm. The ex-lover then, that, suppo- yeah. that is angry still or the ex-lover that's supposedly over it? Both, maybe both. both. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because like, I mean, you could have the ex-lover that's over it and kind of like whatever, or the ex-lover who's still in love with you and just can't handle it, um, that sort of thing. Or even like, I know this sounds really sad, like
0: the child. Oh, yeah. That okay. one's sad. I mean, that I brought, but- I- Yes, it's the un- it's unsuspecting one, the one that you think is incapable. Yeah. Oof. or the grandma. <laughs> so oh, I feel like grandma. so many times it's the grandma. Where yes, it's like she's kind of mean.
1: It's like that um, like those phone games. It's the grandma who
0: the commits the murder, and you she, you have to build her house, and she find out if she <laughs> murdered somebody. You know what I mean? Those commercials. Oh my gosh! Or like just I don't know if I said this already. Oh, I did. Uh, the bumbling fool, which is yeah. like an accidental. But I, I feel like accidental murders are super interesting because maybe they don't. They either know or they don't know. I, I've seen one where it was oh I don't know if you've heard of Xena warrior princess I was yes. obsessed with okay yes. obsessed but there's a murder mystery whodunit episode where they're all stuck in a, in a in an inn overnight and it's raining and someone who's seems very I think an assassin is sharing the same inn with them and he's trying to get gu- a gun for Xena I think and he ends up getting killed in the middle of the night and they go through the, all the suspects of everyone who's in it's one of my favorite episodes and what ends up happening is the guy ends up getting kicked by the horse and you're like, <laughs> oh, the horse wasn't even under like investigation. That's so funny. It's like the animal did it.
1: Yeah, that's so funny. It was a literal accident. Yep. Yeah, yep. that's so funny. I mean, even like for knives out, um no one suspected the murder re. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So I mean, there's that too. It's it's fun when that happens. Yeah. Because I feel like people who watch Who Done It don't want it to be easy; they no. want it to be like entertaining and fun and surprising.
1: Yeah, and it's fun. It's fun to watch all these. I think it's most fun to watch all these different people and dissect them.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a character study. It's a huge it character is. study.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: So, which type of suspect do you enjoy the most? Um,
1: I think, I think the fool, mm-hmm. because it's just. You love them, right? You just love them. You love that they're a little bit funny. You love that they're like tripping on their words or tripping on themselves.
0: Relatable. Right? (laughs) (laughs) They're a
1: little bit more human than the rest of them. Um, I do like the best friends though, because the best friends, it's always, I love her, but she was always um, a snob or I love her, but she always had too much money or I love her big butt. It's like, Mm -hmm. I love her butt. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just thought of one that I didn't list. The perfect person. I always feel like there's like someone who is like so perfect that Mm -hmm. they couldn't possibly have done it. Yeah. Everyone loves them. They're beautiful. They're smart. Well, okay. Which one do you, which type of suspect do you least like? Um, The help. It's too played out.
1: It's too played out. And I mean, it's too easy to be abused as the help.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: right to, to to be abused as the help it's just like so easy to get angry yeah and like, i just it's it's i think when the help is again in in the orient express you need to watch this and then message me about it later okay I will. <laughs> but like but when the help is part of the murder it's not because she was abused it was because she was that she was treated quite nicely and it's all about revenge rather than revenge on the person who died rather revenge on the person who hurt her
0: Mm, I don't know if that makes sense so it was like an act of love
1: yeah
0: ah yeah I love that I love when they find different like motives and types of motives because you always want to think it's like out of malice
1: Mm -hmm. also like Orient Express has Michelle Pfeiffer
0: in it oh love her
1: (laughs) there's like a lot of people in it
0: I was trying to think of what kind of suspect I like the least and most I think the one that I am not a fan of is the the best friend because I'm always predicting that one. Yeah. I'm always looking for the person that's supposed to be the like the knife in the heart in the back.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and so it's like, oh, it's the best friend. Of course, the best friend's gonna turn on you. Um, and then I'm also looking, I actually really like the classic villainous personality because I am hoping that it's not that person, but they yes. they kind of present a different kind of uh, I guess complexity or relationship, yes. especially if they end up becoming a friend. I I always love those.
1: Yes, and I think we forgot like the the wife or the husband, like the partner.
0: Oh yes. Okay. That makes me think of Adam Sandler. He has a couple uh, murder... Oh, yeah. I, I, forget, I forgot what it was called. It might even have been Murder Mystery. I think like it's that. just
1: Murder Mysteries. With Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> yeah.
0: Which I actually really... I haven't I haven't watched the second one. The first one was really funny. I like, loved I it. it. I don't, okay,
1: Adam Sandler. I don't care what anyone says. He is my favorite. I will watch all of his movies no matter how bad they are.
0: Oh my... Well, it's the just... fact that he's so loyal to his friends that he, he gives them work, which it's I really so... enjoy.
1: I love it. And it's just like so funny and do you want to know, I know I just, this is a random fact that I know about Adam Sandler and like Robin Rob Schneider mm-hmm. is that they're friends when they were doing stand up and then one of them said hey if I make so much money tonight or whatever um, you have to work for me and oh. he's like fine I'll do it like that's where Rob, Rob Schneider's like yeah fine whatever you're not going to do it and then it happened and, and now Rob is just like in his movies because that was their bet <laughs>
0: That's awesome. That's I mean, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Great movies with them like working together.
1: Yeah. They're so funny. Like Mr. Deeds. Oh.
0: He did, was Adam Sandler involved at all in the one where Rob Schneider becomes a woman? Or like, I think it's the same studio. It's the same studio. Rachel McAdams' character goes into Rob Schneider's body. (laughs) (laughs) And they have like Twinkies or something. (laughs) So. (laughs) i always think the part of that movie that always stuck out to me is when rob schneider's character who is a who is a woman in his body mm-hmm. goes into the men's bathroom at the club and there's like a trough and it's full of ice yes okay <laughs> so of course it's a comedy and it's not realistic but um what what he does is he like tries to drop his pants to like go mm-hmm. but he sits in the trough and like lands in the ice and i'm like uh-huh. oh what the heck <laughs> that just stuck with me way longer than it's still with me like i saw it like too too long ago
1: <laughs> oh, it's so funny and even like little Nikki. Mm, every mm -hmm. time every time anybody is like yeah you can do it i'm like you can do it nikki
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh iconic okay what advice do you have for writers when it comes to managing so many suspects is there a trick
1: i don't know i don't know if there's a trick i think it's just like making sure you know making sure you have a list for that specific character right um i would because I, in I, I mean, I wrote a book and there's a lot of main characters in it. So what I've done is actually I wrote their name at the top and then I wrote everything that's important to them. So I don't lose sight of what exactly this person is, who they are and what they want. Because okay. the second like you forget or the, you lose sight of what this specific character you're writing is, all of the characters start muddling together mm. and then you, or the storyline gets muddled together and then you're like lost so it it just like individual people they like certain things right even even something as i take my coffee black could be a clue to who had done it because there's a coffee cup there's cream in it it can't be him because he likes his coffee black Mm -hmm. right that sort of thing so just making sure that you you make this character as individual individually individualistic is that a work (laughs) is possible i
0: i've when i used to just free write right Mm -hmm. where you just write and draft without really any intentions i used to it's i would not i mean maybe this is a good exercise i don't write who done it so like um (laughs) maybe this is bad advice but i actually really like playing with my own head and like as each suspect comes through, I'm like, yeah, he definitely did it. I'm going to write it like he definitely did it. In fact, yeah. I have all these reasons why he did it. And then I'll switch to the other one. I'm like, mm, maybe this guy did it. <laughs> and I imagine that's got to be a little bit harder, though, because your brain is now a little scrambled. Or maybe it's a good writing technique for making it effective as a red herring. Because then after you have all these very... uh tangible or authentic reasons for why someone would behave and act as if they did do it and they are guilty, then you go, okay, what what are the what are the paths I've laid out? And how can I twist and untwist? And as long as you always have a way in and a way out, right? Like what we did yeah. with the animal control officer. Yeah. There's a reason why and there's a reason not why. And as long as you leave that vague enough where you can still figure that out, then you can go, all right, I'm at the end of the book, this person did it. Yeah. And then you can always go back in subsequent drafts and start properly planting in the foreshadowing or whatever you need to do but if it helps for that first draft draft messiness where you want to make sure that the confusion feels authentic I mean that might help I don't know yeah
1: no no it makes sense because even like Clue the movie that was in the 80s Mm -hmm. I remember that if you I remember that if you watched Clue in a different movie theater it was a different ending what yeah really and if you can find, like, the DVD version or the, the the um like, whatever. I think it's the DVD version. If you watched it, the ending will randomly pick out of <gasps> all of the Clue characters. So, I mean, that makes sense, too. Like, if you just wanted to write a murder mystery and then have literally anybody be that person in that room at that time. Interesting. Like, Clue did it. Clue in 1985 did it.
0: Okay, so then let's go back to Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Could we have done that there? Could Draco, could we have like swapped out Ginny for Draco? Yeah, and I mean, like Draco's been talking to the the Lord this whole time.
1: Yeah, I think Ginny is just, I feel really bad for Ginny because she just picked it up and ended up being that person. It could have been Neville. It, it could have been um, mm, Cho Chang. True. It could have been literally anyone who picked up that book at that time and decided and then Voldemort would have been like hey you are now my horcrux and you will commit all my murders
0: <laughs> yes you're right It it is transferable and it, interesting interesting because ultimately what needs to happen is Harry needs to be down in the chamber and fight off this Lord Voldemort yeah. young kid and how he got there could be you know figured out but that's really what the end goal was
1: yeah and it is sad that it was Ginny and I get why I get why um, JK Rowling picked Ginny because she's the least she's the cutest <laughs> like, I mean yeah. no, no one was she's
0: unsuspecting child yeah it's one of the suspects
1: yeah and it could have it could have been Snape too, who oh, who yeah. went and rummaged through I don't know garbage mm-hmm. <laughs> and picked up this book
0: so Snape would have been the classic villainous personality um 100%. Neville would have been the bumbling fool yes uh and the silent character i mean jenny in some we knew who jenny was but she was relatively silent she kind of just kind of squeaked around if i remember correctly she was yes. kind of nervous and then the brothers would just like send her off and she'd run away yeah so she felt she felt silent could you imagine if it was ron the oh best friend <gasps> or the brothers. <laughs> With the, yeah the maybe twins. that would change the entire course of the series i don't know
1: <laughs> right like if it was ron i think anything I would be i would hurt a lot more
0: yeah.
1: Or if it was like the schemers, right? It was both the twins.
0: Yeah. But we have to we don't
1: know which twin. What if it was
0: both twins? Both <laughs> twins. It was one twin pretending to be the other.
1: Oh my so god. You think it's George, <laughs> but it's really Fred.
0: <laughs> or or you have the help, which is Dobby, which was one of the suspects yeah. originally. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, Gabrielle, this has been such a fun chat. I really enjoyed this. Do you have any final statements or promotions that you'd like to make today? Um statements like I don't know I love Who
1: It I'm not an expert at them I just I love experiencing them I love writing them I love character dissection um and also yeah my I had a book that came out in January it's called Solem it's an urban fantasy book and if you like character dissection I have six main characters you can
0: dissect <laughs> awesome and how can people find out more about you
1: I'm mostly on Instagram my Instagram handle is miss.c.ing scribbles so it's missing scribbles um in on Instagram and then I have a website www.gmchimmiller.com and (laughs) chmilar.com
0: Speculative Sandbox is a volunteer-run podcast that relies on the collaboration of fellow creators like you Join the conversation and participate in fun polls and questionnaires on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Interested in being in a future episode? Our DMs are open, or you can email speculativesandbox at gmail.com.